0: Kim Schmidt, Managing Editor of Farm Equipment. Welcome to Farm Equipment's Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmaps podcast. In this episode, brought to you by Iron Solutions, host Casey Seymour of Moving Iron LLC, talks with Randy Hurst, sales manager for Hurst Farm Supply, a seven-store John Deere dealership in Texas. The two sat down to talk earlier this spring. If you're tuning in for the first time, I'd encourage you to subscribe via iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, or TuneIn Radio. By subscribing, you're alerted when each upcoming episode is released. Before we turn things over to Casey, a quick word from Iron Solutions, who is making this podcast a reality. Iron Solutions provides dealers with an array of lifecycle management services that drive sales and profits. Their Iron Search and Iron Guides are all about managing your dealership more efficiently and profitably, while Iron Search allows you to directly showcase your equipment online to a wider universe of buyers. Visit www.ironsolutions.com today. Casey and Randy start things off talking about the increase in cotton production in the region over the last couple years. Randy says cotton is one of the few commodities that's been on an upward trend. After briefly touching on how the cattle and feed markets have reacted to the drought conditions, they jump into the state of the retail market in Hearst Farm Supplies area, including stable conditions for used row crop tractors.
1: Let's jump in here real quick. All right, so Randy, you're the sales manager at Hearst Farm Supply. So give us a little background on yourself in Hearst and what geographical area you guys cover.
2: Yeah, I'm sales manager for First Farm Supply. We've got seven locations in and around Lubbock, Texas, and then a couple down by Snyder, Texas. Our main crop in this area is cotton. Probably, you know, if I was, had to put a temperature, it would be close to 80% of our crop production would be cotton. Then we had some corn, a little bit of wheat, hay, and a good mix of cattle, ranches in this area. So that's kind of what we consist of, but our life blood is cotton. That's what makes or breaks us day in and day out. All right,
1: so I've been reading some reports now about cotton, and it seems like there's been more cotton acres planted this year than there were last year in, in, in the previous probably five or six years.
2: You know, if, you, if you kind of back up a little bit to 17 mm-hmm. and just kind of moving a geographical line, if you went north of Plainview, Texas, which is about 40 miles north of me, Right in that area is where our typical line went from transition from cotton to corn. Corn being north of us in seventeen. If you take that line and go north up into the Panhandle, cut across to Oklahoma, up into Kansas, give or take, there was a million bales of what they were saying. Production went in in Mm seventeen. There's supposed to be, uh, according to the report I hear, another five hundred thousand of production going in in that same area this year so it's quite a transition from where we were two years ago and that is related into a very strong demand for cotton harvest equipment and support equipment We've been doing this for 27 years and i haven't seen it quite like this before
1: with the drought situation in right now i mean the wheat that you guys grow i'm, I'm assuming most of the majority of it is planted to graze on is that correct
2: it is, yeah. We don't have a lot of wheat in our Pacific area. You're a little east of, of me. That's more of a, where the kind of the wheat harvest starts in that mm-hmm. Monday Texas area. Right. Most of that won't be harvested this year. We didn't get the rain to germinate it and grow it out. So it, most of our wheat in this South Plains, Rolling Plains area of Texas won't be harvested.
1: Yeah. How many acres of your corn, Lee, how much of that got planted into cotton?
2: Casey, I don't have a hard number on that, but I'm going to say that what has been in corn in the last two years, we have probably seen 500,000 acres in that ballpark, maybe more.
1: Right. How's the cotton market reacting to the additional acres of,
2: of cotton being planted? Well, it, it's kind of surprising, Casey, but you know the cotton market is probably the one bright spot in the commodity right now cotton has been on an upward a good strong slow upward trend for most of 17 and moving into 18. You know a year ago we looked at December futures uh, as kind of what we base our crop on because you know harvest times we'll, we'll have a crop to go to market with. It's moved up about 12 cents in that year's time so that's good. We're up at about 78 cents on the cash market and about 83 on the futures. Kind of a target or a goal is, you know, if my guys can get $0.85 cents a pound for their crop, they can, they can do okay. Yeah. Wow. You yeah. know, this last year, we had a pretty good struggle with our grades on our cotton. We had a, a large area that had low micronaire cotton, which hit us pretty hard on the grading, which we had to take a deduct when we went to the market with it. That was a struggle for us. We had good yields. We just didn't have a good grade
1: price wise I and mean, that's a far cry from where it was even two years ago when you were 60 cents yeah. in, that area, in that time frame so that's really rebounded quite well yeah,
2: it has It has. i mean there's some really good things to you know talk about and look ahead for as far as the cotton industry you know we finally got back into the program which was a blessing you know, we needed that three years without a program put a lot of stress on my customer base so that that's going to help you know we see the Future as far as the pricing and cotton, you know, that, that's good to look ahead too. So, you know, we got some look, good things looking ahead, but we're trying to overcome some tough hardships right now. So right
1: now with, with the drought situation and the lack of grazing pasture wheat that you guys have normally grazed your cows on so far this year, how's the cattle market reacting to that and how are feed prices down where you're at?
2: Talking to several of my customers, I've been selling out their herd, which is not ever a good thing which is kind of depressing prices, but, you know, we just don't have the feed right now to support or can't afford it. So guys are cutting the herds down to what they can manage because the grazing's just not there to sustain them, and you can't afford to keep feeding them. So, yeah. you know, we see this cycle come and go on us, and it's it's pretty severe one right now as far as the drought is affecting us april 20th you know we've already been planting corn and what little corn is going in right now but you know usually the first week of may is our target planting for most of our irrigated cotton and without a good rain this weekend or very very soon it's going to be tough you know there's a lot of dry land acres we're not we're not looking promising right now right
1: okay so let's talk about your retail marketplace and let's talk about what you see happening in the auction markets so on the retail side of stuff what is the temperature of your customer base right now? I mean, I'm sure there's probably a little bit of apprehension with the drought the way it is, but with cotton prices being up the way they are, there's got to be some a little bit of excitement out there.
2: Yeah, it, it probably sounds like I'm contradicting myself during this conversation. I apologize for that. <laughs> but, uh, uh, on Our cotton equipment's been very, very strong. The strongest I've seen it in the 27 years I've been doing this. We've had uh, good demand for sprayers. Some of that's coming from the dicamba cotton varieties that we have now, which has given us a pretty good tool to fight the weed pressure, the resistant weeds, which has helped a lot. We've seen uh, good demand in planters, which is coming back from what it's been in the last couple of years, which is good. Used equipment, our row crop tractors, they're stable. We're off a little bit where we'd like to be, but not terribly so when you look at the drought conditions we're in. Count your blessings because we're doing much better than we deserve right now.
1: Yeah. From where I'm at right now, it seems like planners are i mean more popular than they've been in the past five years, right? I would agree, yeah. Are you looking at a lot of the newer technology high-speed stuff? Or are you just looking at more just newer planners in general or guys jumping up from like an 08 model up to like a 14 model or something like that? I mean, what, where, where's your mix at?
2: We haven't adapted the high-speed planners down here yet. In number one, Casey, just because okay. we're mostly the 1725 stack fold planners, what we're running down here. So we haven't adapted that technology, but what we're seeing is more of a trend. We've been traditionally 8 roll 40 equipment for years down here. There's a very strong trend into 16 roll 40 equipment, and we're even starting to see some 24 row 40 drag type planners come in. You know, it's a labor issue. Guys are trying to do more with less help. And that's one of the advances that coming out with the CS690 Baser machine has given us is the ability not to have to have as many employees. But mm-hmm. you know, when you get rid of those employees been carrying that, leaves some gaps in other places. So yep. we're seeing the guys go to bigger planters trying to cover more acres a day per machine and man.
1: And that's what I'm seeing in the planter market right now. It is a labor driven issue more than it is really anything else. I mean, guys, like you said, they're taking their 12 row to a 24, they're 16 to a 24, something like that, where they can get more done, you know, in a day. And, and I think the high speed planner is one of those things I'm watching too now, where guys are saying we can go seven miles an hour. We can plant seven miles an hour. We can have a better seed placement and all these different things that come into effect. So.
2: Just so you know, Casey, my guys have been running these planers seven, eight miles an hour for year, but they were supposed to.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Old technology making it new, huh? <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Is precision planning, you know, is that all come down your way at all? Where you guys have guys looking at that?
2: The small pockets of it, if I had to put a number on that, I'd say it'd be less than 10% of my customers. You know, cotton is a little different animal. In the area we're in, you know, we're driven by the rainfall we get. You know, it's hard to put a plan in place, say, we're going to do this, this, this. You know, we react to what the weather gives us. And, you know, we have the opportunity to maximize some input and take advantage of the rainfall we do. If, if not, we sit still and we don't side dress with extra fertilizer on. You know, every year is a little different. You kind of make a general plan, but the lack of a rain blows up the plan that you'd laid out there. Right. So I'm just saying we haven't got to the precision plan. I think it's coming. I think my guys are getting more in tune with being a little more managed of the inputs that they are putting in and, and returns are getting, but it's been a slower turn. And, and part of that two cases is our crop situation. We really haven't had the yield data until the last two or three years. Oh, okay. We're way behind our fellow bean and corn guys. You know, they've been enjoying yield honored for quite a few years. We're just not getting there.
0: We'll get back to Casey and Randy in a moment, but first a quick word from the company who made this podcast possible. Iron Solutions has deep roots in the ag industry with products for producers, dealers, manufacturers, ag retailers, and service providers. Visit www.ironsolutions.com to see solutions that streamline your operation, improve productivity, reduce costs, and speed your growth. Casey and Randy started their conversation discussing the market conditions they're both experiencing. Both agree the strength of the planner market has been labor driven. Randy says so far, precision hasn't taken off strongly with the cotton market because it's so based on weather conditions. Now here's Casey with a quick message about Moving Iron.
3: Hello, I'm Casey Seymour, and I want to thank Farm Equipment Magazine for partnering with me to bring you the Farm Equipment Podcast Series, Use Equipment Remarketing Roadmap. The podcasts are taken from my weekly podcast, Moving Iron Podcast. Moving Iron Podcast is a podcast designed for ag equipment dealers by ag equipment dealers. The weekly podcast focuses on current events and trends across the ag equipment marketplace in North America. Along with dealers, I interview the biggest names in the ag industry. Chip Nellinger of Blue Reef Ag Marketing is a regular guest talking about commodity markets and risk management. You can also hear guests like Greg Machinery Pete Peterson and Tyne Morgan of the US Farm Report. If you are in the ag equipment business or have an interest in the ag equipment business, this is a must listen for you. You can find the podcast at MovingIronLLC.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. Also at MovingIronLLC.com, you can find information on the 2018 Moving Iron Summit in Las Vegas, past and current episodes of Moving Iron Podcast, and articles from the Moving Iron blog. Throughout the year, there will be guest bloggers writing on various topics from their point of view. You can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at LLC, or you can find me on LinkedIn. And if you would like, you can send me an email at Podcast at movingironpodcast.com. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out.
0: Thanks, Casey. Let's get back to the program now and listen in as Casey and Randy discuss the market conditions for used cotton pickers and strippers. Currently, demand for used equipment is higher than the machines Hearst Farm Supply has on hand randy anticipates they'll see some consolidation of customers and an increase in custom harvesting in the area
1: used equipment wise with the price of cotton the way it's been over the last couple years how dynamic is it now trying to go from you know like a 7000 series cotton stripper to a cs690 just to kind of
2: put some Numbers to it where you can kind of visualize that still. you're talking about a average 7460 cotton stripper, a good use one being 150,000, you know, a new CS690 retailing in that, you know, 650 to 700. So, you know, it is a major commitment for these customers as far as their operation and what they can handle. And it's not just the cost of the machine, it's also the cost of that wrap. You know, the wrap on a machine, depending on operation, could be. 10%, 15% 10%, 15% cost the machine. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge commitment there, too. It's a big trend, but labor is driving it. There's no doubt about it. It is a trend that will continue, but I think we're going to see some consolidation of harvest methods between some of our smaller customers, partner up on those type of machines, and probably a good bit more custom harvest than we've ever seen in the past in our area.
1: Yeah. So the demand for the used on those. So, I mean, you're selling a six hundred fifty seven hundred thousand dollar new one, even if the used one's half the price. Is the demand high enough right now to where you're saying I got a used one coming in, I got a buyer for it right away? Is that how that's working on those yes, used CTs? Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, right now with the all the cotton acres that went in north of us, demand for that used equipment is just. It's incredible. We get into UCS 690, and we're on a lottery system. Uh, all my guys give me the names of the customers they have that want one. We draw a name, and he gets a shot at it. i wow. just trying to be fair about it, cause we got a good bit more to band than we have. Between.
1: That's an impressive position to be in.
2: It's incredible. Of course, we know it won't last. But it's all driven by the transition of these cotton acres to corn and you know we've seen this trend before the last three to five years, and then you know when the corn price gets back up to you know hopefully five to six dollars, we'll see that trend reverse mm-hmm. you know uh, the, the guys that were in cotton will go back to corn
1: right
2: but a lot of these customers, these farmers that are going into the cotton you know they're going in with really no equipment they didn't have anything to start with, so they gotta have everything so yeah. We've had several auctions. We try to support our customers that are having these auctions go there and make sure that, you know, his equipment is, does okay. But we've bought very little with those auctions. So I'm going to tell you that, you know, option auction prices as a general statement would be that they're stable. They're not full-blown high retail, but they're definitely not wholesale either. Okay. I think they're bringing a fair price right now. There's still a solid demand right now. Yeah. I, good yeah, good equipment. Yeah,
1: I would absolutely agree with that. That's what all the auctions that I've watched and the auctions that I've been to in person. Every one of them have been what I would say they brought the money for the day, and especially the ones yeah. there at the end of the year in 2017. You know, I even watched a couple here not too long ago that were very strong pricings for what they were, and I was surprised that yeah. that they brought the amount of money that they brought.
2: Yeah, you know, we go to those auctions on the equipment we support around here with the number which would be a wholesale number, and like I so said, we've got very little of that purchase. To me, that's a telling feature of that market demand. You know, if we're not able to buy up the wholesale numbers, and the demand's pretty good. You know, it really is.
1: Yeah, especially if it's a good quality piece of equipment. Those are the ones that are bringing good money. I think the average stuff is bringing average price, you know what I mean, which is a lot higher than yeah. it's been in the last three or four years, but—
2: where we were at in this time of 17, following our 16 crop, our auction prices are off 10 to 12 percent. But realizing those auctions following our 16 crop were very strong.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. So what you're saying is, from 16 to 17, you're down 10 percent from 16, or you're down 10 percent from 17.
2: Well, you know, our year end, our harvest year, you know, it ends usually in like November December, so our auction cycle for the following that year will start in December and run through March. Oh,
1: okay. So right. that would
2: be the auction through the 16 crop, and that's mm-hmm. what I'm comparing to what we just went through following the 17 crop.
1: Okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about some new stuff here. So, you've got some EOPs going to open up here before too long. Plant season's coming right around the corner. How are your new planter sales, and how many guys do you have coming to you right now looking to buy some new stuff?
2: Our new is holding steady. I'll say that. You know, obviously, with the downturn we had, you know, we've been in and out of drought since 2011, and prices have been weak. Our retails are off, kind of like, you know, destination. Mm hmm. But they're holding steady. We had a good run on our EOPs and planters and sprayers last year, and I'm expecting the same this year. I'm expecting us to match those numbers what we did last year. I don't see a big demand and run-up. Our strongest demand right now is in good use, and we've been able to meet that demand with our new sales, and I kind of see that kind of holding pretty steady.
1: Yeah. And I would say for us it's about the same way. You know, we've got some strong – Strong new sales, especially this year than compared to the last.
2: Yeah. I, I was just gonna say, you know, right now probably our weakest new sales will be in row crop tractors. Okay. We're off a little where I would like for us to be. And I'm hoping that, you know, if we can get a good rain, get a good crop started. I think there's some guys that would pull the trigger, but they're you know, they're sitting waiting to see. Mm-hmm. Waiting to see what's gonna happen.
1: Yeah. Do you think a lot of your guys are upgrading because they've had the machine long enough now they feel uncomfortable with it or are they facing some major, I don't know, shop bill or something like that that they're kind of up against that they've ran it long enough now for probably longer than they're comfortable with, you know, hour-wise and condition-wise?
2: Do you kind of remember the bloody used equipment that came from all of the muds all over the nation? We scaled back our mud guys and tried to put them on a rotation. And that's one thing that's really kind of helped us. So, we kind of even those out to where we're doing those every other year, every three years now. It's just coming time for these guys to go ahead and get it. now. Call it 50% of the other new sales we'll get in the row crop tractors. Those are guys that trade every two to three years on a schedule. I mean, that's where most of our new retail sales come from, the guys that are trade one or two three machines and they are not necessarily mud customers, but they just like to keep them updated. And so that's probably like, say, about 50% of our new sales that we haven't gotten yet this year. And that's what I'm hoping will change. We'll we'll get our mud deals, but that's what I'm still hoping for. So uh, that's to be seen. Okay.
1: What are some bright spots you see happening for you guys, you know, going through planting season and into the summertime?
2: Your crystal ball, maybe. Better than mine, but right now the only bright spot is this rain forecast we got this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, you know, like I said earlier, you know, we really have some things to look forward to in the cotton market. You know, we've got an insurance basis of seventy-five cents a pound. You know, for my dryland guys, mm-hmm. if the case is we don't get the rain and we have a fail crop. You know, so we've got a good support system there. We're in the program they're working on getting the ginning assistance done i think if it's not already done looking forward to the end of 18 into 19 i mean if you're a cotton farmer you can be fairly optimistic it's just right now you're living under a lot of stress coming off of that 17 crop trying to manage to get to 19 if, if that makes sense
1: mm-hmm. yeah well i think we got this one covered man so i appreciate you listening and i appreciate you being on the podcast
0: Thanks, Casey and Randy. We've got even more used equipment remarketing resources that we're sending your way. In addition to this podcast, we're also tapping into Casey's expertise across all of our informational channels including an Ask the Expert feature on our website where you can ask him your questions directly. Check it out at farm-equipment.com backslash asktheexpert. Thanks once again to Iron Solutions for sponsoring this series. Iron Solutions provides dealers like you with an array of lifecycle management services that drive sales and profits. The Iron Search and Iron Guides suite of solutions is all about managing each dealership more efficiently and profitably while Iron Search allows you to directly showcase your used equipment online to a wider universe of buyers. Visit www.ironsolutions.com today. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or the Google Play Store to get an alert when future episodes are released. You can also keep up on the latest industry news by registering online to receive our free newsletters visit www.farm-equipment.com. We hope you'll tune in with us for our next episode on July 19th. For Casey and Randy, as well as our entire staff here at Farm Equipment, I'm Kim Schmidt. Thanks for listening.